Good morning, and anybody listening to the podcast, whatever time of day it is where you are, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you here. So, really excited about uh, today. I'm back from Miami. I was out of town, um, kind of on a quasi work. I was on mute. Oh my goodness! Good morning. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, so, uh, for those on the podcast, you're you were hearing everything, but on Clubhouse, I was on mute there for a second. So. Well, good morning to everybody. Uh, really excited about today. I was just saying I was in Miami for a business trip, and uh, you know, anything in Miami is always kind of like business half fun, uh, being that it's the kind of Vegas of the South, if you will. Uh, it's maybe a good term for for Miami. So today we're doing an extension on what is asset allocation. Going to keep that conversation going because it is pretty pretty long, but welcome to the Financial Confidence Podcast with Joshua Mock. I am Joshua Mock, uh, where we teach you how to make, save, and multiply your money. And you can find me on Instagram at Joshua P. Mock, or you can go to my website at just joshuamock.com and reach out to me there. Uh, and if you want to talk, you can hit that book now, set a time, or you can even hit the call button and actually call our offices. So, would love to talk to you. So today we're going to get into asset allocation a little bit more, diving down this road because it's, you know, like the, when we did, I don't know, a month ago, probably we talked emergency funds and emergency funds are, you know, it's kind of a long conversation. There's a lot, a lot going on there. So we, um, some of these conversations take multiple parts. So asset allocation though, just to recap last week, as we get into things, involves dividing your investments among different assets, which would be things like stocks, bonds, cash, okay, and as well as other types of things, real estate, whatnot. But the asset allocation decision is it's very personal. Okay. So it's a personal one. That's it's it's what is based on somebody's goals, but also how they feel, okay, is going to determine asset allocation. And that that allocation works best for your for you changes at different times in your life. So depending on how long you have to invest in your ability to tolerate risk. Okay. So we talked about how creating your asset allocation model is going to depend a lot upon time horizon, risk, diversification, investment choices, and rebalancing. Okay. So today we're going to be getting a little more into that time horizon idea. Uh, so so when you're creating your asset allocation model, you, your your time horizon is the number of months, years, or even decades you need to invest in order to achieve your financial goal. So for some people, I mean, we're talking about you know, three to five years. You know, uh, Josh, I have a 401k. I'm 59 and a half. If you don't know, if you're 59 and a half or older, you're allowed to take your money out of your 401k. The government says, hey, you're allowed to start to do a better job of diversification. You're allowed to start moving, start this process of pre-retirement, start to move things around, that kind of thing. So you can take money out of your 401k, move it to an IRA, okay? If it's a if you have a post-tax or pre-tax 401k it would determine the kind of IRA you would go to in order to not incur penalties or taxes or anything like that, okay? You would move that over. In your time horizon might only be three more years. You might say, well, like I only got three more years until I'm going to retire. Okay. So you would do that. 
but then you might be 30 years old right now and you're like, I have a 401k. I'm not close to this 59 and a half thing. Well, you've got decades ahead of you of work where, you know, somebody older is kind of already closer to that goal. So that's going to determine a lot of, of this, of this piece. Okay. So investors with a longer time horizon may feel comfortable taking on riskier or more volatile, which means kind of ups and downs uh, investments types than those with a shorter time frame uh, who prefer to take on less risk. Okay. And the reason for risk is, and it's kind of interesting when you look at risk, if assets are diversified or you're using things like funds, not just a, you know, a small batch of individual stocks like one or two stocks or something, when you, when you look at you know, what is risk really, you start to understand that it's just volatility is another word for it. Because if you own, let's say, the S&P 500 or stocks similar, a mutual fund or an ETF that's similar, benchmarked off of, let's say the S&P 500, you're, you're looking at like 500 stocks. Okay. So I just love to tell people like, what are now, if we go into a recession, many of those stocks, if not all could go down because the entire economy, let's say is in a bad position. Right. But I always like to think that if you if you have your money, if everybody, let's say, had their money in the S&P, something equivalent, and it goes down 15%, it's really important to know that everybody got proportionately more poor at the exact same time. It's like everybody's assets. So I think this is really important to understand because when you, if you have a million dollars and it went down 15%, you lost 150 grand. If you have, and you're down, right, to 850, if you had a hundred grand, you lost fifteen grand. You know, in, in, in ten grand, you lost fifteen hundred. It's it's all proportional to where we're at. But when you're investing using asset allocation, diversification, and using time horizon properly, and that kind of thing, the likelihood that somebody ever invests in something that they could lose all of their money is highly improbable um, if you do things correctly. Okay, so. Because in a fund, literally all of those companies would essentially have to go out of business on the exact same day in order for there to be a complete loss. Okay, so so let's talk about risk tolerance versus like risk capacity. So risk tolerance is your ability or willingness to lose some or all of your original investment in exchange for potentially greater returns. Okay, risk capacity unlike tolerance, okay, it's different, is the amount of risk that the investor must take in order to reach their financial goals. So the rate of return necessary to reach these goals can be estimated by examining timeframes and income requirements. So I, I, I love to talk to people about this because if, if you have your risk tolerance is your ability you like to stomach ups and downs in exchange for returns, right? I have old people who have, let's say, a decent amount of money, okay? And they their risk tolerance is the only thing that matters because we don't need to make more than, let's say, 3% interest. We don't need to. They could live on their principal plus a little bit just basically to make up for inflation. So inflation, let's say, is 3% annualized. Um, they're like, 
if we just keep up with inflation, I would never run out of money because they saved that wealth throughout their working lifetime. Okay. That for them, we're just looking at risk tolerance. Then they're like, well, let's swing for the fences. I'm okay with it going up and down. I want to try to return seven to nine percent a year. Uh, so let's be more aggressive. I'm okay with swings because I can tolerate it. Okay. So it, it's, it's what I can tolerate, what I can handle, right? Risk capacity is you're 50. You've saved nearly no money. And somebody says, I have to retire at 65. There's no way I'm going to be able to continue to do this past that. So I have 15 years, Josh. Okay. I don't know if I can stomach a lot of ups or downs. It's not really your option at this point because we have one or two, we have one or two choices, right? Decrease the likelihood of ever retiring, right? Decrease the goals and dreams, decrease the future income that you will be able to take from your investments, decrease like all these things and, or understand I'm going to have to have hold a higher capacity I'm going to have to invest not for what I can tolerate, but I'm going to have to invest based on what I need. So that like what I must do, I need to return seven to 9% for the next 15 years. And I need to put away this much per month in order to get there. Right? So it's like, this becomes this much more like I'm behind. I must catch up versus somebody who starts early usually can stay in the tolerance zone because they can, um, they have time on their side, time horizon, as we were saying, is the, is the number one uh, factor when we looked at the, at look at investing in long term uh, savings of any kind. Okay, so so diversification. Let's talk about umbrellas versus sun umbrellas and sunglasses. Right, this is a good little uh, analogy. I like. Okay, so all right. So have you ever noticed that like street vendors? You know, you got like if you're in a city or like I was just in Miami, you know, you got this kind of stuff that street vendors often sell seemingly unrelated products, such as like an umbrella and sunglasses. You don't use sunglasses at the same time as an umbrella typically, right? So initially that, you know, it seems odd. Like you see something like that, you go, what's, what's up with this guy's stand? It's kind of weird, right? But by selling both items, in other words, by diversifying the product line that the vendor has, they can reduce the risk of losing money on any given day. So if it's a rainy day, they're not going to sell crap for sunglasses today. It's overcast, it's cloudy, it's rainy, but they're going to sell umbrellas. But tomorrow, the sun's out, there's not a cloud in the sky, and it is bright. The umbrellas are just going to sit there and they're going to sell sunglasses. But what happens is when we walk by, we think, why does this guy sell umbrellas? It, it's like, look at how sunny it is outside. You know, he, he should sell more sunglasses, you know? Well, that's what diversification is, right? Diversification is we don't know what kind of day the market's going to have or what kind of, let's call it a little longer than that, actually. Let's look at the quarter, the, the six month, the year. We don't know how small caps, mid caps, large caps, values versus growth, all that sort of stuff. We don't know how those are going to like, how this year is going to go. Nobody knows. Okay. And if you ever talk to an advisor who says, this is what the market's going to do this year, like tie up your shoes tight and run as quickly as possible. Okay. Nobody has any clue. Okay. The greatest investors in the world, like Warren Buffett and stuff say like, they don't know. Okay. It, the market is bigger than any one person 
by a lot. Okay. Uh, and nobody has that answers. If they did, they would be a quadrillion zillionaire. Okay. They'd be the richest person on the planet. They'd probably just rule the earth. Okay. If you actually knew what the stock market was going to do. So, so, all right. So umbrellas, all right, let's keep going on this. Investors are warned to never put all their eggs in one basket, right? We hear this, right? Don't put all my investments into one security or one market type. Okay. You know, you know, we call eggs in a basket, but don't put all your investments into one thing. Like don't put all your, you know, all your 401k into your company stock. Okay. Hashtag Enron. Okay. If anybody remembers that, right. <laughs> Hashtag Lehman brothers. Okay. People walking on a Lehman in 2008 with a banker's box with a stapler in it and stuff talking about how they were a millionaire like a month ago. And now they're broke, like seriously broke. All the money's gone. Why? Because they had all their money in the stock and the stock went to zero. So that's how talk about having all your eggs in one basket. Okay. So, so this is a central thesis on which the concept of diversification lies is, is the, the sunglasses and the umbrellas. It's about having both available kind of thing. It's about having your money spread out across lots of platform, right? So it's a management strategy that basically blends different investments into a single portfolio. That The idea then behind this diverse, diversification is that a variety of investments will yield a higher return also suggests that investors will face lower risk by investing in different vehicles. Okay. So we talked about this, you know, last week. So like, for instance, you can, you, we have on the spectrum of risk starting at the top, let's say we have aggressive growth. Then we have international growth. Then we have growth. We're moving down towards safety. We have growth and income balanced, high yield bond, corporate bond, municipal bond, government bond, money markets. Okay. So kind of moving down that spectrum, well, but what if what if I own some aggressive growth, but inside of that, there's types of aggressive growth funds, okay? There's types of growth funds. We have large size companies that are growing, mid, small, okay? So it's about owning bits and pieces of these different areas is what is called asset allocation, okay? Owning a certain percentage in these different areas. We're going to continue to talk about that a little bit more and and this is a, kind of a, a laden kind of conversation, you know, a lot of stuff on Clubhouse. You know, we've got quite a few people listening uh, live right now on Clubhouse and hoping uh, some people will have some questions uh, to this point later, you know, this idea of asset allocation. So, so let's look at investment choices. So we have like aggressive. Okay, this type, type of portfolio is appropriate for investors with high risk tolerance and or long time horizon. Okay which I love it says, and you know, it's kind of like in my notes, I've got and or, but really like I've had people, I have people who have a long investment horizon, but they still have a hard time tolerating uh, ups and downs. So this portfolio has a higher percentage of stocks relative to bonds. Okay. So you're usually 80% stocks or more, and you're going to be in this aggressive kind of role, usually 90 plus. Okay. So then we have moderate. Okay. So even if we just broke all these investment choices down to like three things, aggressive, moderate, conservative, moderate then is, is appropriate for investors with a medium risk tolerance and or a medium investment time horizon. Now, remember, this is going to go back to this idea of tolerance versus risk capacity because, you know, your tolerance might be conservative, but your, your risk capacity is aggressive. Like you're way behind for retirement. You're going to have to 
through education, maybe never logging into your account, just not looking, you know, and being like, you know, what? I'm never going to log in. I don't want to see it, but I know I need to be in a more aggressive style asset allocation because I'm so far behind for retirement. So I'm just not going to look at it when March 2020 happens and they close down the planet, you know, and the stocks fall a lot, right? I don't want to look. So, so there's a moderate, it's kind of that medium zone. This portfolio is a lower percentage of stocks relative to bonds. So now we start to get more bonds and less stocks. Okay. Then we go to conservative. Okay. This type of portfolio is for low risk, short period of time. So they might be in income. So the conservative might be somebody who is 65 and they're taking income out of it. Okay. So they're actually taking a monthly check from their investments at this point. Okay. So this of course has the lowest percentage of stocks to bonds. Okay. There's going to be more bonds than stocks typically. Now, what we're talking about here is historical stuff. You know, this is how things have always worked in the past, but I'll tell you what, the world is changing and it's becoming very difficult with interest rates falling for 30 plus years now, basically down to now what is zero. Okay. You start to get a really hard time being conservative into moderate because your ability to earn a return is so low that many times people can't keep up with inflation and or grow their money at enough rate that it's going to be like very helpful to them. Okay. That that they're actually going to grow their assets to the point where they're actually going to be able to retire. Okay. So, so ask yourself this kind of question though. So do you have anybody helping you choose 401k options? Okay. Or those people you love, like let's talk about husband, wife. Do you have anybody, a person who actually helps you choose the 401k options of what you should be investing in for your tolerance and your risk, you know, that spectrum. Okay. Uh, do you have somebody with that risk capacity, risk tolerance, helping balance out your 401k? And the, the second question is if you had a financial advisor like me, would you do better? So I, would you be doing better? Well, I'll tell you, there's a lot of crazy statistics out there on it, but people who have somebody working with their 401k, they have an advisor of some, some sort in their life retire with hundreds of thousands of more dollars than people that do not. Now let's kind of back up. So in, in, if you want to talk to somebody like myself, reach out to me at my website, go to joshuamock.com. There's literally a meet with me button dead smack in the middle of the page. You can set a time for us to just do a 10 minute consultation, chat on the phone, see if uh, us meeting is something that's viable and necessary and, or maybe just have a quick chat and uh, we'd love to meet you. So um, the, the thing is that, you know, I've seen this and that's why I was kind of asking this question. Do you have somebody working with your money? Do you have somebody helping allocate 401k, things like that? And most people don't. And I, so I've got a great example. A few years back, um, I met uh, somebody who worked at this, at this uh, steel mill by me. Okay. So steel mill had started there, had been there. I, I can't remember my years, but it'd been there quite a little while, you know, had a 401k there, that kind of thing. And he had half a million dollars saved up in the 401k, right? So half a million. Now, he said to me, I don't know really what's going on. I remember I opened it. I put in the match. 
You know, it was like a 7% match, I think, of salary. Uh, he puts in 7%, they put in 7%, right? So if he makes 100 grand a year, he puts in 7 grand this year. His company put in 7, 14,000 goes in, right? So he said, I, I told him to put it in the, the risky, like the aggressive years ago. I've never looked at it since. He goes, I just see the total. I don't do anything with it. I don't mess with it. I just put money in. I'm like, all right, cool. He's got a half a million dollars. Now, he refers me, after this guy becomes client, he refers me to a great friend of his who has the exact same job, who's in the exact same position, who hired in the exact same year, okay? These two work side by side. They're not different, okay? They're, they're not like uh, one guy works at the steel mill, makes a great living, and then another person works, works at McDonald's here. No, we're talking about same hire date, you know, or same year they were hired, same, 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 Okay? And I, I'm hitting it hard because this is really important. The other guy said, I don't invest in the stocks. I don't want to see my money crash. It seems, I, you know, the stock market's really dangerous. It's always crashing. It's all, he was really like stocks are always plummeting, doom and gloom, like a very high level of lack of education about the market, right? You just always think every time, you know, the, here's something on the news, it must mean that you lost all your money or something, right? He had just over $200,000. Now, two employees who work side by side, who have, let's call it a spread of $300,000 in their 401k, and both have been putting in 7% for the same duration of time. And the other friend has more than double what his friend has. And the one who said, I don't know how the stock market works. I just threw it into the risky stuff and walked away. The other one says, I don't know how the stock market works. I put it in the safest thing and walked away. And it made that big of a difference in that period of time. And they still had many years to go. Well, here's the sad reality. Um, Investor B will never catch up to investor A. It's impossible. You don't catch up from somebody that's that far ahead of you when you have the same job and you know, all that kind of stuff. And the, the um, investor a was already in the most aggressive thing in the 401k that was available. So even if investor B changed his or her ways, it doesn't matter. You can't catch up. So time horizon matters, but then also understanding that asset allocation and then leaving things alone and letting them do their thing because this guy's like, yeah, sometimes I've seen it way down. I'm like, yeah, way down, like 20%. He's like, yeah, like I, one time I lost like 60 grand. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you didn't, even if you had 500 and went down 100,000, he's at 400. And his friend was at uh, 250 and it went down 25 grand. He's at 225. Even the person who could lose something in a recession is still out in front when you look at time horizon, right? So it's just, that's why having somebody uh, work with you matters, but that's also why risk tolerance matters because the one was able to tolerate the fluctuations. He was going to retire with more than a million dollars versus the other gentleman who may or may not end up having enough money to retire at all at that current pace because a half million guy was going to double his money to over a million by the time he retired. Well, 200 doesn't double when it's making 3%, right? Basically, he only had what he was putting in and some interest. So so let's look at, you know, we're going to get to retirement uh, allocations here in a minute. We're going to kind of wrap up the day with 
a little bit of like what percentage can go to what kinds of things for investment choices. Okay. So, but I want to talk really quick and hit again on the types of annuities that are out there because we hit mutual funds last week. We hit annuities a little bit, but annuities come in three main varieties. Okay. And that like think three different breeds, varieties, whatever. We have fixed, variable, and indexed versions. Okay. Uh, each type has its own level of risk, risk tolerance, right? Payout potentials. Um, fixed annuities pay out a guaranteed amount. The downside of this uh, predictability, though, is a relatively modest annual return. So, you know, you get this real predictable rate of return, but like, you're not necessarily going to get a good payout, okay? Because it's it's fixed. It's kind of like a CD at the bank is how I like to think of a fixed annuity. It's a fixed number, just like a five-year fixed CD has a very fixed number uh, attached to it. So, so generally slightly higher though than a CD or something from the bank. You're going to make more in a fixed annuity than something like that, okay? Then you've got variable annuities. Now these provide an opportunity for potentially higher returns because they, they're many times invested into mutual funds. So you can pick from a menu of mutual funds that go into your personal sub account, okay? And here are your payments in retirement based on the performance of the investments in the sub account and or a rider that uh, sometimes people pay a premium uh, part, like a fee each year to have a rider on that can give them some additional creature benefits, right? So, and then, but if we're just looking at how you actually earn money straight, it's by the sub account and by the underlying mutual funds in the sub account. Then you have your indexed annuities. Okay. They, they fall basically between the fixed and the uh, variable. So you have fixed, fixed indexed, and then you have variables. So they land in between there somewhere. And when it comes to risk and even potential reward, I mean, they really land in the middle. So you receive a guaranteed minimum payout, although a portion of your return is tied to the performance of a market index, such as S&P 500. Okay. So you're, you're going to make your interest based on how that diff, those different indices work. Okay. So then let's, let's talk about retirement allocation. Okay. So for people nearing retirement, let's say less than 10 years. Okay. We've had a good nest egg they consider an asset allocation something like this. They're typically going to be like 50% balanced, 30% growth in income, 10% growth, 10% international. Um, so these are kind of some like models that are just, you know, I, I'm not saying that I put everybody into this kind of thing. These are kind of a general consensus of historical tolerances for the average person, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So they've got these percentage of like balanced certain amount in growth and income growth. And you can see as the percentages go up, the risk goes up, or I'm sorry, as the percentage of what they're putting in goes down, the risk tolerances are higher or risk is higher. Like the international is the riskiest. So it's only got 10%. And like 50% of the money is going to be in balanced portfolios. Okay. So for people at retirement, they consider usually an asset allocation is more like 75% balanced and only 25% is going to be growth and income. Now, I really like to personally, I actually like go the opposite direction a lot of times. Uh, I, I really try to explain tolerance. I really want to educate people at a high level as much as they can on how tolerance really works. See kind of the worst case scenarios. Let's look at the 2000, 2001s, the 2008s. Let's... Let's look at some really bad 
stock market uh, corrections. Let's look at those and compare how we did before, during, and after something like that. And what that what the fluctuations that would make to somebody's account, you know, what are those ups and downs going to feel like? But then also right after that, why don't we look at, okay, well, what if you were 75% balanced and 25% in a growth and in income? And the reality is if somebody can stomach the waves, right? If we can just give them some Dramamine so that they can learn how to stomach the ride, okay? they're going to end up way better off, not just for themselves, but also for their heirs. Because the issue that we're having now is people are living too long. So some of these old models were used to be able to go get a bond portfolio. Geez, it was bonds paid five, six, seven percent Well, now those are paying zero, one, two. So that doesn't work, right? So we, we've run into an issue where interest rates and bonds have come down so much. It's adjusting. Uh, how much money you can make in those style of portfolios. So, and then working alongside that, what's really dangerous is we're dying way later, right? We're living way, way longer. So I might retire at 65, but I might not pass away till I'm 90. Okay. So I've got to have this money last me for 25 years versus I might've retired before at 60 and I was gone at 70. And to make things worse, bonds paid a lot. So like that, they, they had to only have their money last for 10 years and the safer investments also earned more interest. Now we're in a strange environment where people are living longer and the only way that they're going to live that long and their assets are going to last that long is if they amp up that risk tolerance and they just go, this is a part of the deal. I it's, it's, it's actually beyond tolerance. It becomes risk capacity because remember that's, that's unlike tolerance. It's the amount of risk that an investor must take. So it's like I'm noticing that older people are having to take higher levels of risk on in order to not also fear becoming broke, knowing they're going to have to return 7% a year, you know, on average with negative years and positive years above that. But they're going to have to average, let's say, 7% to not run out of cash. And it's not going to be enough to only make two to three in these bond portfolios, that kind of thing. They're going to run out of money. So so if you don't have somebody helping you with your 401ks, choosing those options, you don't want to be a come investor B who has $200,000 and investor A had half a million dollars, right? If you don't want to become like that, make sure to reach out to me on my website, joshuamock.com. Uh, there's even a call button right up in the corner so you can – hit that. Or if you're listening on the podcast right now, just hitting the link in the description below and my website's right there. Just tap the link and go there. Schedule a time to talk with me. I do absolutely all my consultations completely free ability for us to speak and see if there's something I might be able to help you out with. So I, I just wanted to today to hit this risk tolerance thing and really make people uh, hopefully understand that asset allocation's Massively important. Time horizon risk diversification. It's all really important, but we're also moving into uh, an era, as I was saying, where we're living longer and we have to invest a little bit differently than how our grandfathers did or grandmothers did in order to continue in retirement for a long time and be able to live like that comfortably. So I do want to open up 
this last part of the show. Uh, for anybody who might have any questions or anything to kind of uh, pop into this uh, for the podcast and or, or for those who are listening live right now on uh, Clubhouse, uh, if you're on Clubhouse, you can actually hit and you'll see you got a little hand there and you can raise your hand and I could pull you up and would love to, if you got a question, love to answer a question for you um, about maybe how much, you know, how much risk you're willing to take, how much money you might want to have in certain types of investments or not. Um, so if you have a question like that, we're happy to, to answer with this kind of thing. A lot of times people don't like to because it's, uh, uh, it's kind of personal. So then uh, please just reach out to me on my website and then I'd be love to talk to you in person there. So next week we are getting into the next topic. Okay. And we're going to be bumping into kind of a quick review on asset allocation again, and then um, kind of a continual, you know, there's a lot of continuous on this, but what happens when the, when the market goes up, what happens when it goes down, what does it really do to people's uh, money, that kind of thing. But then we're going to get into SEP IRAs and simple IRAs if you're self-employed and how to automate your financial independence number and get yourself to a place where you automate that. You wanna, we want to make life easy. We want to automate our process for retirement. So thank everybody for coming on the Clubhouse Live today. Really excited to have you all here. Appreciate you and hope to see you on here next week. And we will talk to you all soon. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please find the Financial Confidence Podcast. If you listen live on Clubhouse, uh, there's a lot of you that I see every single week on here. If you listen live, go to Spotify, go to Apple. uh, Please subscribe to the Financial Confidence Podcast. Subscribe and leave a review would be awesome because that helps uh, it make easier for people to actually find the show uh, when they go on there. They can find us more easily. So everybody have an awesome day. We appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Thanks.